Well, I want to preach from that today. Surprise, right? Christmas at Branches Church, preaching from the Christmas story. And uh, if you're familiar with it, you know how the story goes. And given a little synopsis, we have Mary and the angel. The angel Gabriel appears to her and says to Mary, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And of course, Mary is troubled by his greeting. Gabriel, seeing her distress, says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. A baby is conceived, and what had been promised was happening. While at the same time, Joseph naturally had some concerns when he learns that Mary's going to have a baby before their wedding day. It's understandable. So being a good man, the Bible says not wanting to uh, embarrass her, bring shame on her, that he thought to put her away privately. He thought about ending the relationship in a very private manner. But before he can act on his thoughts, Joseph has a dream. And in this dream, he is visited by an angel who says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she'll bring forth a son, and you shall call his name, what? Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now, if you're further familiar with the story beyond that, you know that just before the baby is to be born, Caesar Augustus sets in motion a census and a tax plan for his people, which required everyone to return to their original town. For Joseph, that meant taking his expecting wife from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And we have a lot of representations of what that looks like. Uh, nativity scenes and different things, the traveling journey, the picture of Joseph leading Mary upon a donkey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The truth is, we don't know how they traveled because all it says is that they went between the two towns. They went from one to the other. And that's all that it says about their journey. But what we do know and what we do understand is that it was not an easy journey. It was 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, 70 miles. And that's a four-day journey at the time. So this was a long trip. The trip most likely took more than that. It probably took 10 to 15 days, considering that Mary was expecting, and also considering that at the time in the area there was some social unrest between the uh, Samaritans that were in that area and the Jews. And so they would not have a direct path between those two cities. So most likely it took 10 to 15 days. And when they arrive, there is no place for them. There's no spot in the inn, as you know, and there is only space for them in a manger. And so when Jesus was born, He's wrapped in swaddling clothing and placed in a manger. A manger is simply a feed trough for animals. And this amounts to a pretty uneventful birth when you think about it. 
given consideration that there was no social media announcement. There was no family gathering. There was no Christmas cards that were going to be sent out to friends and loved ones with the new baby plastered on the front. A friend of mine just had a baby yesterday, and immediately I received images to my cell phone, and I celebrate with them. There would be no Christmas card. After all, it was the first Christmas, so we'll let them slide on getting those Christmas cards out. But soon the news would begin to spread that something new and different was happening. The people responsible for spreading the news were not family members. They were not close loved ones. They were not uh, social media influencers. They were not any news people. Instead, the ones who first began to spread the message were just simply common countryside folk. And I use that word folk intentionally because when you put common and countryside in front of a noun for people, you choose folk because it fits. Common countryside folk. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about shepherds. And in the middle of doing their routine, living their normal, everyday lives, they're surprised by God and what he was doing. They were surprised by God and what he was doing. So I want to preach you this morning under that thought, surprised by God. We'll pick up in Luke chapter 2, verse 17. It says, now when they had seen him, and this they is a reference to the shepherds, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Mary wasn't even the one to announce what was going on. She took and held and pondered these things for herself. But the shepherds, they began to noise abroad what was going on. They began to tell of what God was doing. The shepherds glorified and praised God for all the things they had heard and seen. Why? Why did they do that? Because they had experienced something they had never expected to experience. They had been surprised by the goodness of God. They experienced something that was worth repeating, and it deserved to be broadcast everywhere. You either have experienced or can experience something that deserves similar treatment. To be told, to be caught up in glorifying, praising God, and broadcasting what God is doing. Somebody today will be surprised by the goodness of God. Somewhere and in some way, there are people. And why can't it be you? Why can't you be surprised by what God is doing right now in this day? 
Why can't it be this church? Why can't it be this people? Why can't it be your family? Why can't it be you? Surprised by what God is doing in the middle of everyday normal, in the middle of a regular 2021 Christmas season, and the regular season of everything that's going on with your job, looking forward to a break, if you get one. Why can't it be you? It's important to understand how the shepherds reached this place of making known to others the things which they had seen and heard. Luke 2, 8 through 9 tells us, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. These shepherds. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. That word shone means that the glory of the Lord illuminated all around them. And then the word that is used next, it says they were greatly afraid. And you know what that word is? It's in Greek, it's phobia megas, megaphobia. They were mega afraid. They were greatly afraid. They were disturbed. Verse 10 tells us, the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now, this is interesting because he says, bring to you. The word used here is evangelize and it's repeated three times. I bring great news to you, great news for you, great news, good news. And then he says, great joy. And again, the word is mega, but instead of fear, it's joy. There was mega fear at the appearing, but in the message, there is great joy. And the great joy is this, is that it's for all people, everyone, everywhere. I'm bringing a message, not of fear, but of great joy, good news, something to be celebrated for all people everywhere. It's for you and for everyone else. And he goes on, he says, for there is born to you. This day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now that word host that's there, heavenly host, it's a military word. So the armies of the Lord appear to them and they bring this message of great joy. Verse 15 tells us that immediately, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem. And that word means, it just simply means let us go right now. Let us not delay. Let us not put off for another day. Let's go right now. And it also indicates there was probably some distance involved in going. Now, last Sunday, I preached to you about those who come the farthest come to worship because God draws people from a great distance from him. And when you get to him and all that he has brought you through and done in your life, you can't help but praise and worship God. These same people are a long way off. 
But they say, you know what? We have a message. We have got good news given to us. Let's go and see what this is all about. And it says, and see this thing. And that word there is rima. It's a specific word or action for a point in time. You have the word logos, which means the word of God is used over and over. He is the word. But there's also the rima word, which is word for right now. And they were saying, if we don't go right now and see this, we're going to miss what God is doing. You know, sometimes people do. They forget to go, take action, and they miss what God is doing right now in this moment. But notice they did not attribute their knowledge to the angels. They didn't say the angels told us. They said the Lord showed us. Verse 16 says they came with haste. And that word means they, they hurried. They did not just come. They came with haste. And when they came, they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, this in their life was totally unexpected. When that angel appeared to them, you know it was a surprise. You know it was a shocking thing. It was totally unexpected The shepherds had three responses to the visit from God's messenger. The first was surprise. The second was fear. The third thing was curiosity. Put yourself for a moment, if you will, in their position. They were probably familiar as every person in this culture was. Of the Old Testament, the verses and prophecies that had spoken of a coming Messiah that would deliver his people and would rule Israel. And the Old Testament had spoke of a virgin conceiving, bearing a son, this Messiah. And I imagine perhaps every young lady probably had somewhere in her childlike dreams growing up that maybe that would be part of her life in the future. Potentially, she could be the one that was the virgin that was to bring forth this Messiah that was prophesied. But there was no mention of any shepherd. There was no mention of any shepherds being involved whatsoever. And so they are totally surprised. Whatever agenda they had for that evening, this did not fit their expectation. But here they were, an angel telling them, I've got good news for you. To you is born today a Savior. Great joy, good news. And the angel did not come with an abstract concept but he came with a very personal message. And here is a challenge that most of us live with. We put God and we put Jesus off in the abstract, something far removed from us, almost like Santa Claus, making his one trip around the world every uh, Christmas Eve and visiting all the little boys and girls. If you're lucky enough, God will come into your world and will intercept with you. It's an abstract thought, but that's not the kind of God that we have. We have a 
personal God. We have a God who is connected to his people. We have a God who inserts himself into our lives whenever we allow him. But their response was what ours often is when the mundane and usual are suddenly focused on the spiritual. It's this great fear. Because when something calls us to make a drastic change to our course, our plan in life, that induces great fear. 2020 was a year of fear. Because everyone's course and plan was altered in some way. Many of us in this room, we've experienced times and seasons in life where our plans were altered great fear. And it's true when God moves in on us too that we can be afraid because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the outcome might be. That's why God challenges us to trust him and lean on him because that's faith. Not only an unexpected arrival, but there's an unexpected message. I bring you good tidings of great joy, born to you this day in the city of David, and this will be a sign to you. It's interesting, that second phrase, born to you. Born to you. Not born to Mary. Not coming to Joseph not just in the city of Bethlehem, but born to you. Turn to someone and say, born to you. Born to you. He was born to you. This is not an abstract reality. Born to you makes it very, very personal. Now, the shepherds had as much connection to Mary and Joseph and the birth of their baby as you and I do here today. The only thing they had in common with him or with them was their nationality. The shepherds are residents of Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph are from Nazareth. There is no family connection. These people have nothing invested in this. But the birth of this baby to them had as much meaning as to you and I if we were visiting Northside Gwinnett or Emory or Piedmont or Northeast Georgia hospitals and we walk by and look in on several babies laying there at the nursery window. They have no connection to you. You might look and say, man, they look cute. Look how cute they look. Oh, look, look at this one over here turning red. She's so upset. Look at that one. He is swallowing his whole fist. But there's nothing personal that pulls you to that window. There's nothing personal that keeps you standing there longer than what we would expect. There's nothing there that makes you take interest because it's not personal. But I have been at those same windows when a young lady standing there, she might be in a robe. Her hair is not fixed. She looks a little unkempt. 
And under normal conditions, she would never dare. She wouldn't even go to Walmart looking like that. And y'all have seen what people can look like at Walmart. There's a whole website dedicated to it. But there she is. She's standing there, smile on her face, transfixed, looking at one of those tiny forms in a little bed. And you may ask her, what are you doing? And she'll say, you know, right over there, that one, that's my baby. That's personal. And this angel said to them, I bring to you good news. I bring to you great joy because born to you. Doesn't that just change everything? Born to you. Doesn't that just move it to another level? Born to you. Born to you is a Messiah. Born to you is a Savior. Born to you is the one that can deliver. Born to you is a ruler. Born to you is a king. Born to you is a one who can break chains and set boundaries loose and set you free. Born to you. I really understand this, understand the full effect. Shepherds were looked down upon. The people of Bethlehem scorned shepherds. They were the lowest of society. There were wanderers without homes. No one invited a shepherd to eat at their table because it would take them forever to get the smell of the animals out of their house. Genesis 46 and 34 tell us that the shepherd was an abomination even to the Egyptians. Shepherds were smelly. Shepherds were exposed to all the weather. They were required to protect the flock in whatever condition there was. It was from the cold, from the heat, from predators, from robbers. Whatever needed to be done, the shepherds were there for the sheep. That was their only purpose. In Jewish writings called the Talmud, The rabbis disapproved of shepherds because many were guilty of grazing their flocks on other people's property. So they were viewed as dishonest and uncouth people. A passage in the Jewish Mishnah expressly forbids the keeping of flocks throughout the land of Israel except in the wilderness. Had to get them away from the cities. These shepherds were wanderers of a wilderness and the sheep were their only community. The angel's message I bring you good news. I bring you great joy. It's repeated three times. I bring you great news, great news, great news. G. Campbell Morgan says it like this. The original text is, To you is born Savior Christ Lord. He's a savior because it's someone confronting all the sin of the world with a redeeming power. He was not an advisor. He was not a reformer. He was not a doctor of the mind, emotions, and spirit. No, what the world needed and wanted was a savior. And so to you, born is a savior. He's the Christ, the anointed one. Where the anointing is the yoke, the yoke will be Broken. Where the anointing is there, the yoke will be broken. Isaiah 61, 1 through 2 says this, The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. 
So what is the Christ? He's one confronting all the chaos of the world, all the places where humanity lives bound and oppressed. To you is born Christ, anointed to break your yoke, yours. He's the Lord, the one who confronts eternity and all ages, and he is born today. He is born to you. Look at someone beside you and say, he is yours. And the truth is we need a Lord, we need a Christ, we need a Savior. And he has always been a God of signs. The angel didn't just tell them, now this is happening, rejoice. He said, there's a sign. And the sign is this, that if you'll go, there's a baby in swaddling clothing in a manger you'll see there's a sign. But he has, he's always been a God of signs. For Noah, after the flood, how do you know it's never going to flood the earth again, Noah? Do you see that rainbow? Do you see the promise? Do you see a sign of the promise? It's there in the sky. To Aaron, how do you know that you're God's priest? How do you know you're God's called and chosen? Well, if you'll go look into the Ark of the Covenant, it carries all the signs of a covenant that God has made with his people. And there, you're going to find a rod. It's not just any rod. It's my rod. And it bloomed in my hand. It has blooms and blossoms, and it appeared before all of us, and we laid it there as a reminder. That was my rod that bloomed in my hand, and that's a sign of a calling. To Gideon, how do you know is God going to give you victory over the Midianites? You have never led anyone to battle, and your army is way too small. Well, you see this sheep's fleece right here? One night, everything around it was wet. The ground, uh, it was wet on top, and the ground around it was dry. It was a sign of victory. And the next night, I asked God to make the fleece wet while the ground all around it would be dry. And so it was, a sign of victory, signs of a promise. And to the shepherds, how do you know that a Savior is born? The sign will be to you. Find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. If their experience so far had not been enough, then appeared a heavenly host of angels praising God, confirming the message. I'm preaching about a personal Savior wanting to fulfill a personal promise in your life, but I am not alone as a messenger because sitting right here in this room, there are people that affirm today exactly what I'm preaching, that he is a personal Savior with a personal promise for you who wants to step into your life and surprise you right in the middle of your messy life with all the chaos and the mess of life and the stink of life and all of the mundane things. He wants to step into that and fulfill a promise in your life. But even if that was not enough for the shepherds, there was a sign wrapped up in swaddling clothes, a baby cooing, crying, making a fuss in a manger. You say, well, I don't have that benefit. No, you don't. You don't. What should we do? What should we do? I imagine the shepherds probably thought that too. Maybe behind the scenes, beyond the text, there was a little bit of conversation. What do we need to do with this? We have sheep to keep. 
We have lives to live. We have things going on. It's a long way to get over there from where we are. I have a job. I have family. I have school. I have so many things that need attention. What should I do? 15, verse 15 says, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. You know what you have to do when God is moving? You have to go right then. You have to take action. You have to put everything down, and you have to make haste and go. Nothing happens until that becomes the attitude of your mind and your soul and the driving force behind you that you would leave everything else behind and go see what is it that God is doing because God is moving in that moment, in that instant. You don't want to miss it. That's great for those shepherds, but what about me? Can I tell you that even today, right now, he was born to you. Amen. Promise they had is the same promise for you. Amen. And I'm not talking about some abstract, far-removed God, but I'm talking about a very personal God, personal Savior, offering to fulfill a personal promise with a personal experience. I'm not talking about just coming up and saying, well, I accept Jesus as my Savior. I'm talking about a powerful spiritual experience that he has planned for you in your life that he is doing right now among people, and he has been doing since Acts chapter 2. Because in Acts chapter 2, there's a room, an upstairs room, where the Holy Spirit is given to people for the first time. And there is a sign that is given. They begin to speak in a new tongue. So much so that people on the street hear the commotion and some say to these people, all these people are drunk. They must be drunk. But Peter begins to preach. He says, no, they're not drunk. Let me tell you what's happening. Let me tell you what God is doing right now in this moment. Jesus Christ, he's the Lord, the Messiah, that baby that was born to you, a Savior who was born, that same Jesus who was crucified, buried, but now is resurrected and alive. That Jesus, the one that God has raised up, Acts chapter 2 and 32, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received the Father from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this which you now see and hear. He's doing this right now. In verse 39 it says Peter says this same experience. This promise is for them, for their children, to all. It's for you. It's for everyone. And that day 3,000 are added to the church. They had the same exact experience being filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in a new tongue and guess what? That experience is for you today. It's for you today. If you need another sign, why don't you ask Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? Cornelius, you're a Gentile. You're not even one of God's chosen people. This was the king of the Jews giving out this gift. How do you know that you received the Holy Spirit? Well, while the preacher was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on me, and I spoke in a new tongue glorifying God. By the way, that was seven years after Acts chapter 2. Seven years later, God's still doing it. And the Lord continues to do it for people who believe. 
If that's not enough sign for you, go to Acts chapter 19. Paul asked the disciples of John if they had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, no, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Maybe you haven't even heard what God is doing. But God is still doing it. He said, we were baptized in John's baptism. Paul said, that's all right. John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Same Savior, same promise, same sign. Same thing he has for you. And this was 24 years after Acts chapter 2. And here we are. I'm not good at math. So 2,000 and almost 2,000 years from Acts chapter 2. And the Lord is still surprising people with his promise. Shepherds were surprised to be invited that a Savior was born to them. Maybe you're surprised to be invited, but God's invitation is for you. He says, this Savior is born for you. And there's not just some abstract, far-removed God who doesn't feel your pain and your hurts and doesn't know what you're going through. This is a God who's very real, very personal, and has a promise for you. The people in Jerusalem were surprised that Jesus was pouring out the Holy Spirit. Cornelius was surprised that some prom the same promise that was for the Jews was for a Gentile. And John's disciples, they were surprised to hear that there even was a Holy Spirit and that they could receive it. How is God trying to surprise you? How is God trying to surprise you? Because in the middle of their mundane lives, normal life, going through routines, that's what I love about the Bible. You have these fantastic historical stories, what God does. But it's always in the middle of someone's life. It could be in the middle of their trial. It could be in the middle of their struggle. It could be in the middle of their pain. It could be in the middle of a process in their life. It could be in the middle of nothing going on. God steps in and he says, it's for you. What I'm doing right now is for you. Just like those shepherds walking with those sheep, standing out in a field, boom, angel, hey, don't be afraid. I can see the fear all over your face, but I've got great news. Great news, great news, great news. Today, born to you in the city of David is a Savior for all people. It's great joy in this news. If you'd stand with me. preaching to someone today you may or may not realize or recognize that 
God has been trying to step into your life and step into your world because he is a personal God. And while we often sit back and think of God in very abstract ways, far removed, we think about faith as being something that we just try to commit ourselves and, to and live out. The truth is God is a very personal God. And to you, right now, wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, whatever stress that has come upon your life, whatever problem has come upon your life, whatever strain has come upon your life, right now, to you, he's for you. And he has promises for you. And he wants to do in you what he's done in others. He doesn't want to leave you right where you are. He wants to supernaturally step in and affect change in your life in a way that you could never imagine, never comprehend, and change your life forever. I wonder if we could just pray together for just a moment. God, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy and your grace. I pray, God, that you would touch somebody's heart today, that you would speak to them. God, let them know and feel your love for them, your care for them, that you are a personal God with personal promises that you want to fulfill in their lives today. God, that you want to do it without any reservation, God. It doesn't matter where they've been in life. It doesn't matter the sins that they've carried with them. It doesn't matter the mistakes that have been made. God, they need to know and understand that you are a God that loves them for them right where they are. That you're not waiting till it all improves. You're not waiting for it all to change. But right now where they are, maybe they're in the mess of life. Maybe they're like the shepherds where everything around them stinks. The community they're a part of, it's just, it's leaving it where people don't even want to have interaction with them. But God, you're interrupting that right now. And you're going all the way to where they're at. And you're saying, right now, I am born to you. I'm your savior. I'm your king. I'm the one who came for you. And I'm calling you. I'm calling you. Aren't you thankful for a personal, personal savior? that steps into the stink and mess of our life and calls us to something greater. Feel the presence of the Lord here right now. The Spirit of God is speaking to someone. The Spirit is drawing someone. I wonder, church family, if we could respond. If you're a guest here today, it is, is our practice as a church family that we gather to the front and we pray. If you would come, we would love for you to join us. But if you prefer, you can stay right there where you're seated. You can pray right there. But we're going to pray. We want to give God the opportunity to speak to us. We want to give God an opportunity to be born into our lives, to do what he would have done in our life. Would you join us and pray, Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for what you're doing. We praise you, we worship you, we magnify your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it, why don't you unload your burdens to him? Have I 
want you to unburden your heart to him. He's a personal Savior. He's a personal God. Savior. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you tonight. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be returning to your seat. We're so glad that you're here. Thank God for his spirit here today and what he is doing. Um, church family, we're going to uh, do a little presentation about Christmas for Christ. Um, guest, if you're here today, what Christmas for Christ is, it's an offering that our church takes part in every year to support church plants. And today, we're going to take a little moment to see one of those church plants that we supported last year with our offering. And that offering is an offering we collect here and then goes out from here to support church plants. And uh, I want to say thank you to those who gave last year. I want to say thank you already to those that have already started giving this year. And the goal for Christmas for Christ is to give our best gift to Jesus Christ. Our best gift to Jesus Christ. And so... Uh, you're going to hear and see a story about the Chinguina family uh, that we supported last year with our offering. And uh, we want you to partner with us, be praying about what God would have you to give to Christmas for Christ. And while they're doing that, the kids are going to be coming in and getting ready to set up uh, for their presentation. Pastor Chinguena, Gary Chinguena, and my wife here, Tolerance Chinguena. We're both from Zimbabwe, and uh, our journey—it's uh, been a—it's been a long journey to get to this point. But in 1995, I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and uh, I received that baptism when I was in a United Methodist Church. The Lord kept on drawing me uh, for more. I needed to know more. I was hungry. More. The Lord led me to his truth, the truth of his word through my aunt who lived in South Bend, Indiana at that time and she invited me to her church, um, pastored by um, Brother Kenneth Mendenhall and um, the first service I went to that church, God revealed to me the truth. I um, looked for a church, eventually uh, we would go to Brother David Stewart's church, which is in Florence, Kentucky. In 2010, God would begin to give me dreams about South Carolina. And I, we had never been to South Carolina. We had never, yeah. <laughs> not even visited South Carolina. And um, one profound dream was of um, a woman um, that I was sitting and talking to her, and as I was talking to her, she said, um, I asked her, where are you from? Because she has such a desperate love for God. And she said, I'm from South Carolina. And at that point, it became a desperate cry as she cried, send us a preacher, send us a preacher. When we came to Greenville, we had no idea, uh, honestly, what we were doing. And um, what we have seen, we have seen, and yet we are working with people. And uh, we are so thankful for, for what the Lord is doing. I came to Greenville um, because 
of my daughter. Um, my husband passed, and I didn't want to come down here. But after I got here, things start changing. I look up for green. I look up for a church, and I found Greenville Pentecostal Church because that was also close to the apartment. I came to the service. Pastor preached about the heart. And God knows when I came, my heart was like a rock. And when he preached that word, everything changed for me from that day. Greenville Pentecostal Church is just a wonderful place to come if you're really, really looking for that true relationship with God. I remember asking the Lord, can you lead me somewhere where I can grow? And not only that, but become a part of something that has your heart. I think I wept the first three or four Sundays the whole time. It was just like God was just ministering. And I never heard of Oneness Pentecostal. I didn't know what it was. And because of God's grace and because of Pastor Chinguina, I think, you know, that God is restoring my marriage. And I just praise God for that. And I'm and uh, waiting for the day when, when my family's here, serving God and worshiping God. I thank God for my pastor because have not for that word that day, I would have been still a broken person. so grateful we're so thankful for everything that God has done the people that he has sent to this church um, this work would not be possible if it was just the eight of us we are thankful to all the sponsors and uh, the supporters of NAM the churches that give towards home missionaries it's not in vain thank you to Christmas for Christ So the goal is to give our best gift to Jesus Christ on his birthday, and uh, I want you to take part in that if you can. Join us in doing that and supporting uh, all of these churches that are being planted around the United States. As they're being getting set up, getting finished here, uh, just a couple of announcements. <clears throat> Young people, youth, this Friday night, there's an event from 7 to 9 p.m., Christmas party. Uh, bring a food dish. I know all the young people are excited about that. Bring a food dish. It's for middle high, middle high, high school, and college, and that's this Friday from 7 to 9. Also, I want to mention that Sunday, December 26th, that is the Sunday following Christmas, uh, we will have a candlelight service here. We'd love for you to be a part of it. We're going to worship the Lord with our singing and uh, rejoice before the Lord. Well, are we ready? All right, now presenting to you Branches Kids in, uh, along with uh, the neighboring church kids, and uh, they're going to bring you a presentation.
in those days Caesar Augustus in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living on the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord keep, uh, appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, they, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, when the, angel, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told.
candy cane, what do you see? Stripes that are red, like the blood shed for me. Why does the world Savior, so sinless and pure? Today is for Jesus, my Lord, that's for sure. Turn it around, and exact you will see. Jesus, my shepherd, was born for me. Kids are going to be bringing you a gift uh, that they have prepared for today. And uh, while they're doing that, we'll prepare for our final act of worship. And then uh, my wife is going to come and give us direction uh, using this mic uh, what to do for the dessert exchange that takes place in the back in the time of fellowship. Um, Just gonna lay that on Jesus. <laughs> Give it up for the kids. <laughs> I love kids programs because you never know what you're gonna get, and it's always awesome. And then I love watching the, the people watching because people who don't have kids, they kind of disappear into their phone. And then the parents who do have kids, they disappear in their phone too, but it's behind a video recorder. <laughs> so I saw a lot of that happening, and that was great. That was great. Uh, if you'd like to give, uh, there are several ways that you can give. You can give online at branches.faith. Uh, that's a digital way you can give through the giving link, or you can simply text GIVE to 678-780-4870, and those are easy digital options. There's also the option of grabbing an envelope for the back if you would like it recorded uh, and dropping it here into the basket for our giving today. Listen, God has blessed us, amen. God has blessed us as a people, and we want to